That's right, that's right. It's another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. I'm Troy Moriello, as always. Uh, it's kind of like episode seven and a half here, coming to you with a rare Saturday edition after the St. John's win over Georgia Tech, 76-73. to 73, A thrilling come-from-behind win for the Red Storm. It's going to hold off on this, and then I figured, what the hell, I'm not really doing anything except for watching this game. I'm going to go watch some college football later, so I figured, why not? Do a quick little, uh, you know, 10-15 minute recap with my thoughts. Uh, a precursor to that, these thoughts, it's going to kind of just be me rambling here a little bit. Um, you know, maybe not the most coherent thoughts after what was certainly an exciting game, an emotional game, a frustrating game for a long period of time. But in the end, a very nice win for the Red Storm 76-73 over Georgia Tech. And, you know, I think you can kind of look at this one of two ways, uh, the glass half full, the glass half empty. Obviously, let's do the glass half full first. I mean, what else can we say about Shimori Pons at this point? There is nothing more that we can say about how good this guy is, how how much he means to this team. He's the I said a few weeks ago, he's the best scorer in college basketball, and it's not even a debate. When you look at how easily he gets these shots, especially down the stretch, again, he carries them. 37, no one else on St. John's had any more than 13. I mean, he was their guy. He went right at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech knew that he was getting the ball down the stretch, and they could not stop him. Contested shots, open shots, free throws, anything that he wanted, he was getting down the stretch. Shamori Pons, I mean... He, he's the biggest player. Of the year. Everything. I mean, listen. He's got to, you know, he's got to keep it going. But he is, he is without a doubt, in my opinion, the best pure scorer and the best clutch scorer in the NBA. Or I'm sorry, in, in the NCAA, as as a uh, junior now for St. John's. You know, and that's I think the the biggest part is you know, hey, they did not wilt down the stretch. But more importantly, getting down 16. What was it? 57, 41. I think early in the. Uh, in the second half, or yeah, it was it was a 16-point deficit early in the second half. You know, we've seen a lot of St. John's teams in the past, especially in the last couple of years, get down by that margin, wilt away, maybe make a little bit of a comeback, but lose by you know 10 to 15, maybe more if they really don't make a comeback. That did not happen. That is not the case this year. This is a team that has a lot of fight. This is a team that shows some resilience. Yes, they make some boneheaded plays and some boneheaded plays late, which I'm going to get to in a second. But overall, you know, I think that this is really a changed St. John's team. And, you know, it's not the most impressive 7-0 start. I think we'd all admit that with some of these wins. But uh, it is a it is definitely an encouraging 7-0 start just based off of the type of wins that they've been getting. I know that it's not the best competition, but you know those two games in Brooklyn and now this game tonight really showed a lot of resiliency and a lot of, of heart really fighting back from uh, big second-half deficits, winning games down the stretch. So, so yeah, another big thing that I liked, one of the other things that I liked in this game was the defensive intensity in the second half. You know, listen... In that first half, and when Georgia Tech built up this big lead, what really bothered me, you know, we knew that this was going to be 
a kind of dogfight, defensive battle. Uh, the announcers made a good point. I didn't think the announcers were very good today. Uh, you know, I'll talk about that later. But they did make a good point. Defense travels, you know, and, and Georgia Tech played a very good defensive game. They are not a very good offensive team, but they played a very, very good defensive game from um, a big stretch of this uh, game, basically from the 10-minute mark to through most of the second half, you knew that they were going to be able to kind of impose their will on St. John's for a while, and they were going to force St. John's into that stretch where they couldn't score for a couple minutes. Obviously, it was a lot bigger than we all uh, hoped it would be, you know, with the 21-2 to two or 21-5 to five after the Ponds 3 uh, end to the first half. But we kind of knew, we expected, at least the St. John's fans, I think, you know, they don't play well against the zone on offense. So we expected something would happen like that. Obviously, it was a little bigger than we would have liked. But that doesn't really bother me as much as it should have, I think. What bothers me was defensive intensity in the first half, and especially in the second half. Early in the second half, when they got down by uh, by that 16-point margin, uh, 40, I was 47-31 was the uh, the 16-point lead for Georgia Tech with 16-51 to go. The defense was just terrible for some points. And, you know, it wasn't the three-point defense. Georgia Tech's not a three-point shooting team like we usually seen. They were just getting to the basket so easily. One thing I noticed was that the ball was going into the into the uh, to the big guy down low and uh, one of their two big guys down low. And St. John's having three and four guys converge on this one guy trying to cover him. He was kicking it out. Uh, and then they were driving to the basket easily. So they were getting the basket so easily, basically right up until the 12 or so minute mark in the uh, in the second half. And down the stretch, they really picked up the defensive intensity, which is what I liked. You know, they were trailing uh, 56-44 here with 12:06 to go. And from that point, Georgia Tech really didn't score another meeting. Uh, or I'm sorry, they scored 10 points then for the next uh, in, in the next 12 minutes, which is incredible. They held them to 10 points basically, and then obviously. Obviously, Georgia Tech had a couple of uh, of uh, gimme shots down the stretch in the last minute when the game was kind of out of hand, but they obviously almost gave it away, as I'll get to in a second. But, you know, going from 56 points to 66 points, basically in the final 12 minutes of the game is an incredible job defensively by St. John's. They really picked it up. They were active. They were forcing turnovers all night. They finally started to capitalize on some of them down the stretch. And, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, at the end of the day, this is a very, very good defensive effort, at least down the stretch uh, for St. John's. But, but yeah, let's talk. You know, no one wants to here, but let's talk a little bit about the negatives. Uh, this was going to be a very negative podcast, if not for uh, that incredible comeback down the stretch. I don't, I don't understand how this team does not know how to play against the zone defense. It's incredible the amount of offense that they have between Pons and Clark and Heron, and Figueroa, and Simon, and, and Dixon off the bench, and these guys just, they have no clue how to play how to play offense against his zone. It's incredible. A 1-3-1 zone, and they have no idea what to do with it. I mean, that's what scares me a little bit, is in Big East play, the blueprint is out there on how you beat St. John's. You make him play a half-court game, and he plays zone against them, and they won't be able to score for large stretches of the game. I mean... Georgia Tech is bad. Georgia Tech is not a very good team. Yes, they play good defense, but their offense is not very good. And to play a very close game like that with Georgia Tech, but just to get, get run off the court, basically, in the final 10 minutes of the first half, 21-5, to five, and it was only 21-5 to because Pons hit that launched uh, buzzer beater to make it 21-5 to five to end that. It was 21-2 to two to end the half in favor of Georgia Tech. I mean, that can't happen. I know that Georgia Tech is a Power 5 school, but they are one of the worst teams in the ACC. They were they really got their—I mean, they made a nice comeback against Northwestern, but they got their doors blown off in that game in the first half. 
that should never have happened. This game, especially when you had a nice lead. I said to myself uh, a couple days ago, or I said to a friend, I don't know who I was talking to, and I said, you're going to kind of see how this game is going to go in the first couple minutes because if Georgia Tech makes St. John's play that half-court offense and makes them work for every basket, it's going to be a long night, and we're probably going to see a type of game like this, maybe a little bit lower scoring, where St. John's kind of has to grind out a win. If they were getting their baskets easy, I said, this should be an easy win for St. John's. And right early, you know, in the first couple minutes, it looked like they were getting their baskets easy. They had 20 points with, with in the first 10 minutes of the game. They were on pace to score 80, obviously almost got to 80. But their offense was kind of flowing pretty nicely. They were hitting some shots. They hit their first couple of shots. Uh, Pons was hitting a couple, Pons had a couple threes early or at least that long one early, and they were getting their offense, and then just suddenly it just stopped. It it just completely stopped, and I know that Georgia Tech made a couple of of adjustments, and I don't know why St. John's just, they're incapable of making in-game adjustments. That speaks a little bit, obviously, to the head coaching and really the coaching as a whole, not being able to make adjustments, not really game planning well enough. I tweeted that out. I said it's like they didn't have any sort of a game plan for this Georgia Tech zone defense, for this Georgia Tech defense, when they had a couple days to game plan, they had three days to game plan, and it looked like they were just out there and they were just going to play basketball, get this trip to Miami, and they'll they'll walk to a win. And that was not how it's going to work against a team that is a defensive-minded team like Georgia Tech. And, you know, that, that just can't happen. That, that run in the second, in the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half, it just it can't happen against a team like that. If that happens against the Big East school, you're probably going to lose that game. It's it's there's no other way to put it. You can't keep relying. It's not sustainable to to rely on Shamori Palms to put up 35 to 40 points every single night for you to win these games in the Big East. It's just not going to happen, guys. And you know I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's not. He's going to have some off nights, or he's going to have some nights at least like today, or like today, or um, unlike today, where he's not able to, to you know put on a show in the second half and go crazy in the second half and will you to a win. You're going to need some production out of these other guys. L.J. Figueroa didn't have a great game. Um, Justin Simon had an okay game. Mustafa Heron was just nowhere to be found in this game. It seemed like he was he was I mean shot three of ten. Marvin Clark had a terrible game. Uh, was in foul trouble. For much of the way only had three points only took two shots I mean you need someone to step up besides Shimori Pons in a game like this and you need someone to step up and be a second scoring option because in the Big East it's not going to happen guys I'm sorry Um, another thing that I have to complain about again is the lack of playing any sort of bench any sort of big guys off the bench like I said before there was one point in the second half when um when um Georgia Tech was tossing the ball in to their to their um to their big guy what was his name Banks the uh, the big guy Banks they were tossing the ball into him and four four St. John's players were converging to cover one guy I, there was one point when four St. John's players covered one guy can't happen. We have big guys on the bench. I know that that I I don't know why, but Chris Mullen doesn't seem to think that these big guys are ready, or that at least someone like Josh Roberts isn't ready. But you just need a body at that point. You need a body, a 6'9", 210 body to just stand there and get in the way, at least. And I think it doesn't take a whole lot of talent. It doesn't that doesn't really transfer over from high school to college, just standing there and just being in the way of a big guy. You you can't keep playing defense like this in the big t- in the big east, because teams are gonna attack that. Just like teams are gonna attack you on offense when you're on offense playing the zone. Teams are going to attack you when you refuse to play any sort of bench and any sort of uh, big guy presence. I know that CDK is coming back, but for as long as he's not back, you know, there's probably going to be a couple big game, big East games when he's not back. 
or if he's in foul trouble. You need a big body to just get in the way, please. And that's Josh Roberts. I don't know why. He played, he barely, what did he play? A couple minutes tonight? I, I just don't get it. I, I, I just, I do not get it why he won't open up the bench. And and like, you know, we talked to um we talked to, to Brendan Myers last week and he said the only thing I could think of is that something's happening in practice where these kids are freshmen and Mullen's not liking what he sees in practice and they're not acclimating well in practice. That's fine. If that's the reason, that's fine. Tell us that's the reason, but just put him in to be a body. Like I said, just put him in to stand there and get in the way. If I was 6'9", I could do that. I would stand there. I have no basketball ability whatsoever. I promise you, if I was 6'9", and you put me in to play defense and just to get in the way, I could do it. And St. John's doesn't even have someone that can get in the way because they have no big guy right now on their roster that they want to play. And it's going to burn them. You know, you know. I understand that you want to have your best players on the floor, but at some point... You know, um, Brian Trimble got got eight minutes in this game, and Brian Trimble was on the court for a big part of that run. Um, Mikey Dixon got got 23 minutes, and that's not I'm not complaining about Mikey Dixon. He had an off game tonight, but Mikey Dixon, you're willing to give these guys minutes? Give Josh Roberts some minutes, please. Get him on the court, please, Chris Mullen. You're never gonna listen to this, but please, someone, someone, I don't know where, tell Chris Mullen, please play. Uh, Josh Roberts, play your big guys on the bench just to get in the way of these big guys, or else this is going to keep happening game after game after game. Not these next games coming up, but in the Big East, it's going to be game after game after game until CD Kata comes back, or if CD is in foul trouble, it's going to be attack inside, attack inside, attack inside, and Georgia Tech can't shoot, but a lot of teams in the Big East still can shoot. If you have a big guy inside, he's either going to get to the foul line, get an easy basket like that guy on Georgia Tech was, or you're going to be kicking out for open three-point shooters. It's, it's just that simple, and you're going to be in trouble. So I don't know why he refuses to open up the bench. Um, my other big gripe is just is not making adjustments. Like I said, it seems like they had just no, uh, no plan on offense for this Georgia Tech defense, especially uh, when Passner called that timeout. What was the score? It was 20 to 20 to 11, I think, or 20 to 12. I'm not positive what the score was. I can look it up. But um, he called that timeout, and it just seemed like, well, this is it. Here comes Georgia Tech. And they they made the adjustments that they needed to. They locked up on defense. They started getting easier shots on offense. They started getting to the basket. And St. John's, for basically the final 10 minutes of the first half, just looked like they did not know how to play offense. No one was moving. A lot of one-on-ones. A lot of ISO, which is the trap that they fall into so much. They fell right into the Georgia Tech trap, and not one adjustment was made. And early in the second half, coming out of halftime, not one adjustment was made. I want to see what this team is doing in practice because it just doesn't seem like they're planning well for these things. When us fans know hey, this is what Georgia Tech's going to do. This is how they're going to try to beat you, and you let them beat you that way. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like being an NFL team and playing a team that averages, I don't know, 175 yards, uh, rush yards a game, and your game plan is, all right, let's put you know six, seven guys in the box. Let's let them get their runs, and they run for 200 yards off of you. That, that's what it's like game planning. you know. Yeah, I'm guessing a lot of St. John's fans are Jets fans, so they can attest to the lack of, uh, of coaching acumen, but that's what it feels like for, for St. John's. It just feels like there's no game plan, and it feels like it's so obvious, these things, and for some reason, there's no game plan to try to fight it, and there's no 
adjustments being made. Basketball is all about making adjustments on the fly, and we just can't seem to do that. And we fall into these stretches, and we've seen it happen over the last couple of years now, especially on offense, where we just fall into these stretches where it's a 20 to 4 run, or a 25 to 6 run, or an 18 to 3 run. And it just, it just, it, it stockpiles and stockpiles, and it, and it stinks. And I, I mean, at least they were able to overcome it today. But again, that can't be something that happens during Big East play. But yeah, those are just my thoughts. You know, overall, like I said, it's a good performance. It's a nice win. It's something to build off of. Uh, I, I think we I would be remiss to, to say that I'm not worried or, you know, to, to, to not mention me being a little bit worried with how they've looked in what are really the three biggest games of the year against Cal, against VCU, and now against Georgia Tech, when all three they kind of needed a very nice comeback or at least, a, you know, a, a very nice uh, game from Shamori Ponders down the stretch to will them to victory against three teams that they were much better than. VCU, I think, is going to, is you know, was with the exception that rule but you know especially Cal and now Georgia Tech two teams that they should have won these games by 10-15 points and they were dogfights so there is some concern listen these next uh, five games they should be favored by double digits in every one they should well, they're not going to cover because uh, St. John's is not uh, covering very much this season uh, good teams win great teams cover remember that but they should be favored by double digits they should win these next five games and be 12-0 heading into Big East play. If that gets them ranked, that gets them ranked. If not, they'll be right on the cusp of being ranked for sure. But, you know, the concerns are there. We've learned at this point. We've learned all that we're going to learn about St. John's uh, until now, December 29th, when they start Big East play against Seton Hall on the road at the Prudential Center. But it is what it is. We're 7-0. We're 7-0 for the first time since, what, 1994-95, I believe, at least two decades. Um, It's a nice win. It's a nice comeback. It's some resiliency, which we have seen early in the season from them, and that carries over. Obviously, that's not something that's just going to happen in non-conference play. It's going to be tougher to make these comebacks, but that resiliency that they showed is obviously something that you would expect them to show now uh, with Big East play looming a couple weeks away. But, you know, thank you guys for listening just to this quick kind of... um, Ended up going for almost 20 minutes with this quick little recap uh, post-game immediate reaction for me. Obviously, you can follow, follow me on Twitter at Troy Moriello, T-R-O-Y-M-A-U-R-I-E-L-L-O. You can check out the Seeing Red podcast. We're going to try to do another podcast on uh, on Wednesday. We'll have one coming out. Not sure who's going to be the guest or anything like that, but we're working on it now. That'll be a little bit of a lighter episode now. But um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you liked it, let me know. We can kind of do more of these in the future, and we will try to maybe incorporate some fan calls into this. Uh, I didn't think to do that this time, but maybe next time we will try to do a little uh, a little Q&A, little uh, you know, f- uh, fan call-ins or whatever live on the spot. So we'll see how that goes. Everyone enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks for listening. I'm Troy Moriello, and let's go, Johnnies.